0: Clap clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come.
1: What's going on, everybody? This is the Clap Your Hands Podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports, brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP. I am Elliot Shore Parks, along with the one, the only, the aggregated. Kyle, we got our last podcast episode aggregated by some websites. Very exciting stuff. Uh, what's up, man? How you doing?
0: I'm hanging in there, man. I'm. Yeah. Uh, we're less than a week from the deadline. So this next week is always, uh, I don't want to say fun because it's a lot of, I think I said this the other day, a lot of text calls and just yeah. keeping your phone on you at all times. But I guess the good news is because I'm not on their current road trip, I can focus most of my energy on you know, talking with people rather than getting to the arena in San Antonio or wherever else. (laughs) Well, hopefully that's what
1: the the Sixers are doing too, you know, because it's only now what, six days before the trade deadline. Before we get into it, actually, though, I did have something non-basketball related for you. So I remember uh, when we were talking about The Last of Us, I started it by saying what scared me about the episode, about the show was that it felt just realistic enough that maybe it could happen, right? The world is heating up the fungus thing did you see an article came out a few days ago that there's like a bunch of types of funguses that the world health organization is declaring an emergency like investigation into or something like that did i did
0: that? it's almost like it, it's so it hits so close to home that it's almost like it was planted by hbo mm-hmm. like they, they paid somebody off to be like hey
1: <laughs> just
0: to put this in the headlines and maybe get some more buzz going for our show but Listen, I, I think there's definitely a a gap between there's some weird fungus things happening and the world is screwed and we're all going to turn into yeah. mushroom zombies, so.
1: Well, I took the leap, uh sent it to my wife and I was like, "See? I told I told Kyle this was going to happen. Did you watch oh, the uh, third episode yet?"
0: I did. I as someone who played the game, uh, you and I come from different perspectives, so I'm yeah. interested to see some of the changes made to the characters. Not like huge changes, but there were changes made to the characters that we'll see how that plays out and how they tell the stories of Joel and Ellie. But mm-hmm. as a standalone episode of TV, it was awesome. So It was unbelievable.
1: I thought it was like beautifully shot. The acting was really good. And I do think now, again, you've played the video game, so I'm watching this, you know, clear eye, like I have no idea. I thought it was an awesome way of showing how something like that could impact everyday life. Like so far, we've just been seeing like, you know. Not violence, but you know, fighting off the zombies, traveling, all those things. Just kind of what a general everyday life would look like if fungus took over the world, which sounds crazy, that would be beautiful. But I actually thought it was a a very beautiful episode, good acting, and uh, I'm excited for the fourth one. Hopefully, no fungus takes over the world by the time the fourth one comes out.
0: Yeah, without getting into spoiler territory for people who haven't watched it. It's just, I enjoy seeing the things like, all right, if the world really did not come to an end, but come to an end in the sense that civilization is wiped out Mm -hmm. it's what do you value or what brings you real joy and it's Mm -hmm. things like strawberries or (laughs) yeah or the right piece of music uh, sheet music to play on a piano it's things like that and personal relationships rather than you know the the material things that i think we probably hold on to in our own lives I thought about this about, remember about a month
1: ago when there was that night on Twitter when everyone thought Twitter was going to end and people were tweeting out like, you know, it's my Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And I'm guilty. I tweeted out the Instagram thing. I will say, obviously there are more important things in my life than Twitter. But do you ever think about how much our life would change if Twitter went away? Just how different our everyday life would Uh, be? Yeah,
0: I thought about it way too much when that was happening. That was kind of a a moment of panic about how that would change things
1: like all these people that I've been following for years and I've never met that I would just never hear from again. And there would be no rumors. No, like, what would I do during a game? Like, I don't know. It, it's funny. I, a lot of people on Twitter were saying, um, man, I hope they go away. I don't know, man. I think people would miss Twitter as much of a hellhole as it can be. I think people would, would miss it more than they think.
0: There's just no real <laughs> suitable replacement for it right now. So yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see if that ever changes, but for now, now just keep keep it going on Twitter with the mean tweets.
1: Um, so the other thing, like I was saying with Twitter, how would we learn rumors? How would we get into those type of things? Uh, there's a bunch to get into today. So there's obviously the trade deadline is now six days away. We're recording this on a Friday. It's the 9th, right? February 9th. So yes. six days away. Um, There's a James Harden, once again, all-star snub, much like the Embiid episode. I don't feel as passionately about this one, but there's a James Harden thing there's the issues versus the magic in the two games so we got three things we can start with Kyle what do you feel like uh like beginning this bad boy with
0: this is probably a hot take I honestly think I feel stronger about Harden getting snubbed altogether than Joel just not starting because Joel not starting was just a numbers game thing mm-hmm. it's very clear that mm-hmm. he was going to make the team and that there, are look I still think he should have started the game. I think it was ridiculous that an MVP candidate, arguably the ar- MVP front runner, is not starting the All-Star game. But it's Giannis, Jason Tatum, and Kevin Durant. Yeah, all we're those legit. Guys
1: are, legit guys.
0: Yeah, all insanely good players uh, having great seasons, blah, blah, blah. James Harden not making the All-Star team over you know Drew Holiday, who I right. really like, Drew Holiday, is just kind of absurd not making it over Julius Randle or DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, so here's I, the
1: here's the full list. Now, I can't imagine there's a lot of people that are listening to this pod but don't know the reserves. But just in case, Bam made it, uh, Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan, obviously Joel made it, Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, and Julius Randle were, were the reserves over Harden.
0: Yeah, so to me, the two that stand out are DeRozan and Drew Holiday. So okay. the, the case against drew and the Bucks is basically the sixers and the Bucks have effectively the same record the Bucks mm-hmm. have played two more games so they have two more wins right now but the same record james has better across the board numbers i, I like i don't know how you make the argument for drew other than he has played more games because harden was hurt do you Which think is it's really- like
1: uh do you think it's a thing where they're punishing um, – because we talked about this with Durant, with the trade request. Do you think maybe Drew – and I hate to use this phrase, but you know, is viewed as like doing it the right way, has been with Milwaukee, like all those things, whereas James – Yeah, is- there's,
0: there's some of that, and there's definitely the, the aspect of it. Because this is the coaches decide the reserves, and the coaches probably elevate him based on defense more than Harden, who's essentially Not a DH. Now, he's yeah. a great DH. For what he is, but he's not a defensive player. I still think James Harden number one is someone I'd want to watch in an All Star game more than Drew Holiday. Agreed. Number yeah. two is just better at basketball than Drew Holiday, so that's the first one. And then Demar Derozan is on the tenth seeded Chicago Bulls. Like, yeah, what are we doing here? Why does that guy <laughs> need to be in the All? I agree. Game? Yeah, and I like I think Demar for a long time was underappreciated, but it has swung the other way. It's overvaluing what he does. I think he's averaging. Now, he's, he's scoring like 26 points a game. But he's scoring 26 points a game on a team that sucks. Like the Bulls are 24 and 27. Mm-hmm. Their definition of a mediocre, going nowhere team. They lost Lonzo Ball, or they haven't had Lonzo Ball because he has not gotten over this injury he suffered in the last season. And it's ruined their year. And this is no disrespect to Lonzo Ball, but if Lonzo Ball being injured makes it so you can't even get over five hundred as a team. Well, you don't have a very good team and you don't have a guy who's like, Yeah, he for sure has to be an Austin. Well,
1: and they don't have a team to your point. I mean, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, like they don't have a bad roster, they have two or three guys that you would think would at least get you above tenth in the east. So yeah, like what's special about DeMar DeRozan this year? What's the all-star quality thing? And for what it's worth, DeMar DeRozan has obviously been in the league for a long time, successful player, all those things. James Harden also checks the box of big name guy. He was top 50 in the last all 50 NBA list, wasn't he? Um, huge star, exciting guy. So yeah, I don't see a single box that DeMar checks over James.
0: Yeah, so I, I think it's pretty awful that James, who's number one, leading the league in assists, the Sixers have been a top ten team on both sides of the ball since he came back in early December. They've been the best, essentially the best team in basketball since he came back in early December. So mm-hmm. there are just all these indicators that not only is he putting up great numbers, but he's helping the team win games, and he's helping Joel Embiid be the best version of himself. Like yep. I don't, I think that part is probably being undersold too. It's it, it's not like James is just riding Joel's coattails. Joel is very clearly benefiting from the partnership that these two have established, right? Like It's there. The two of them are working together on this. This is not, Hey, Joel is just so much better that James now looks good. James has gotten his burst back. He's developed this chemistry with Joel. He's creating open shots for other guys out of this look that they use in the middle of the mm-hmm. floor. I just, I think it's, it's kind of disrespectful to James that he and he James actually said this on Instagram. He all he said was the disrespect with the period on his that. Instagram story. Yeah, Joel and Tobias and George Yang, I believe, all came out last night and said James was the biggest snub. Or Joel said something like, "Y'all got some explaining to do." I saw at that, NBA, yeah, which was great. So,
1: well, yeah, I, I mean, looking up for his teammates too. I mean, that's good from just a a vibe perspective.
0: Yeah, so. I don't know. I I think it was pretty bad. That would have been, now we'll see if there's an injury replacement. I think he, I don't even know that he would get in as the injury replacement. So there's a short list of guys, I think siakam your guy that you don't like is yeah, in there bad, man go like, look at his number his numbers not are crazy. I,
1: yeah all right his numbers are great he plays for an irrelevant toronto team he's not a true star who's going to the all-star game and being like man i can't wait to see not siakam me play. but
0: i'm i'm all i'm telling you is the guy's right. averaging 25 8 and 6 all right so, and what's james averaging james is averaging 21 6 and 11 okay so, so rough, outscoring rough, him, out-rebounding him, James like doubling him in assists. Right.
1: So James is contributing more points a game than Siakam is,
0: right? Sure, but, I'm what not... I'm, but Siakam, yeah. also better defensive player, all that. So what I'm telling you is I would not be shocked to see Siakam get right. the nod over him, especially because James has made 10 in a row before this point. So there's a, I, even more reason he should get in. But what I'm saying is but there, I, I there are people game. who their train of thought is – Oh, well, he's already made 10 of them. Let's reward this guy. James is going into the Hall of Fame no matter what. It doesn't really matter if he makes the All-Star game, whereas Siakam has made one. It's like, oh, let's give this guy a – So there's that. I think Jalen Brunson – Jalen Brunson is another one that, you know, he's put up crazy numbers since the start start of January. The Knicks have turned around. I, again, would put Harden on the team over him because, number one, the team is better, so – I w- yeah. I prefer to reward guys who are contributing to winning teams in general. So I'd rather see Harden get the nod over him. Uh, I think, and Jimmy Butler, I think, is the other one. And well, again, and we- better team. Harden's on a better team. So I- why would you give Miami a second star on a worse team than yeah. the Sixers? It-, it doesn't make much sense. Well,
1: what what also is we we talked about this with the Joel thing, and you know I see it in the NFL all the time. Like Jason Peters at the end of his career made all, made Pro Bowl teams that he should not have made because he is Jason Peters and that's just how the voters go, right? It's surprising to me Harden didn't fall in that category. And I know NFL and, and NBA are not the same in the voting process and all that stuff all those things. But to me, it seems like James will be someone that has earned the right. Now I think this is the best news overall. The best news for the Sixers is James Harden should be an all-star. If you would have told me before the year that he was considered the biggest all-star snub, that would have been good news to me. Because I think last year with the Sixers, he probably didn't play well enough to be an all-star. He was probably in the conversation. His numbers are you know, probably a little better than I would give it credit for, remembering watching him play. But he wasn't. he didn't feel like an all-star last year. This year, he definitely feels like an all-star to the point where you know, I think Donovan Mitchell and Kyrie probably deserve to start over him. But if he started, I don't think it would be absurd. Like he's he's the best guard on one of the best teams in the NBA, putting up insane numbers. He's James Harden, so he checks all the all those boxes. I'm just surprised he didn't get kind of the the veteran's edge, or you know the, the it didn't lean his way. Like, what do you think it is about him that the coaches decided not to? to give him that because he's earned it. He's earned to get the benefit of the doubt in the, the, the tiebreaker in these situations.
0: Um, I, I think some of it is defense. Some of it is games played. And then, you know, there could be a slight bit of people have not historically loved how he plays. It's a lot of the, the free throw grifting and all that right. and flopping and, and what have you. I don't think there's as much of that anymore. So I think that would be kind of a silly thing, especially for coaches to hold against <laughs> mm-hmm. him. But, you know, I don't know. I th- The best example you could use of that, you're talking about with Pro Bowls and stuff, is Kobe Bryant making all defense teams like half a decade after he stopped being a good defender. <laughs> and that's, a, I, I'm not picking on Kobe either. That's a thing that- No, but that-, that all, all defense, there is always a delay specifically. Guys are still considered- Good defenders long after they stop being right. impactful night to night guys. So that's, uh, I think that's probably where you see it more than All Star, but certainly that happens in All Star too. So you would have put James in over, uh, you said you
1: would put him over DeMar DeRozan, you would put Drew him over Holiday. Drew Holiday, Julius Randall.
0: So, I actually don't remember how it works for the coaching vote where I I don't know if they still split it with front court and back court. So, I was trying to keep it to make sure that, yeah, yeah, I think that might be a situation where it's guards and uh, front court guys are split. So, well, yeah, I I will say you you could honestly make it the case over Halliburton too. But what I would say there is that his team's record, which is not good right now is a direct product of him getting hurt and being out of the lineup so it's different mm-hmm. than with Demar, for example where he's been healthy the whole year and the bulls still suck Halliburton has basically back, yeah. been the only reason that indiana was there i mean they're like the five seed at one point for a while there so i think and i like rewarding young guys who are you know the ascending type players so mm-hmm. i didn't have as much a big issue with him as uh DeMar and drew so, how do you think James will react to this? Like, because one
1: with with Embiid, we talked about how he could use this as fire. We saw what he came out and did against Denver, and I believe it was the the next game. Denver, if I'm not mistaken, was the next game after he was not named an NBA All Star starter. I mean, James to me doesn't seem like somebody at this point of his career that is using these things as small motivations, but. Look, I cover an Eagles team that is to 16-1 with Jalen, is a favorite to win the Super Bowl, has award finalists all over the place, and still pulls a no-one-believes-in-us card. So it's certainly something athletes do. Do you think this is something for Joel and James, I mean, you knowing them better than I do, that they'll kind of put on their shoulder and and use as motivation moving forward?
0: I don't think it's anything James will admit to publicly. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. I I think he does like to keep up at least, and this might be how he feels in general, but he likes to keep up the facade at the very least that he's, you know, he doesn't worry about other people and it's, he sets his own bar. And, and like, I think that's admirable in a way, like guys at that level, we've talked about it a lot with Joel. I think it's almost more important that they have their own goals and their own expectations for themselves than, you know, what we say or what, even coaches or people around the league would say they have mm-hmm. to day after day want to raise the bar for themselves. And James did say, I asked him point blank the other night after the magic game whether this stuff still matters to him. And he said, Yeah, of course. It means you're one of the best players in basketball. It means not only are you playing well individually, but you're impacting your team yeah. and you're making your team better. And all that stuff he says, you know, you never take that for granted. He said, I made 10 in a row, this would be eleven. So but he ended that with, if I don't, then we have bigger goals in mind. So, you know, I think he'll just channel that energy toward the team success, which is, you know, what you would hope any of these guys would do. I don't think he'll go like get on a soapbox and and start ranting about it as mm-hmm. we would probably expect Joel to if he got left off of an all-star right. team altogether. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think he's wired in a way that he's gonna come out and Oh, this is a big motivation game for me. I think he tries to keep it pretty steady most of the time. But of Mm -hmm. course, I I think he's a prideful guy. You don't become as good as he has without putting in, you know, hours upon hours upon hours of work. So, anytime that's the case, that, you know, he's going to feel it whether he lets us know or not.
1: I will say, I forgot about the fact he's made it 10 straight and this would have been 11. It is kind of bullshit that that streak ends when he's playing so well. Like if I'm a voter, I'm taking that into consideration that he's made it this many times and to keep the streak going. Also kind of crazy, he made it last year. I guess, was he better with Brooklyn than I'm remembering? But I seem to remember him being- No,
0: I mean, last year would have been the year that you would have said. Between not playing that well, Brooklyn underperforming. And the trade Kyrie was out. out. Yeah, and the trade stuff. I think last year was the time to say, yeah, don't get him in there, but take him away. Yeah.
1: But I will say one positive: at least he's gonna get rest. I mean, you know, not that he would have played 40 minutes in the game. He would have gotten a... rest regardless. Yeah, James yeah. is not turning it up for the all-star game. <laughs> I think he's gonna miss the trip to Utah? I can't decide if Utah seems like a place James uh, James wants to go. Well, part. so
0: this was a thing a while back on Reddit. I feel like people made comments about uh, Salt Lake not having good strip clubs. And then there was some research done into it, and they right. actually ended up being, you know, if you go to the right places, allegedly, there are some yeah. uh, high quality spots. I don't, I'm not an expert on this subject. No, so not your, uh, your, your you. topic
1: of choice. Yeah.
0: I am certainly not a, uh, a connoisseur of Salt Lake City gentlemen's clubs, clubs. We'll put it yeah. that way. Yeah. Well, or Salt Lake more. City in general, for that matter. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, obviously I watch Real
1: Housewives of Salt Lake City, but outside of that, I do not know much about uh, the, the Salt Lake scene. So sucks for James Harden. Um, you're right in the way that I think Joel not starting is is also unfair, but at least there were legitimate candidates. I think they're both unfair. But James not being there, I do feel bad for him. He's played hard this year. He worked hard to play better, so so that all sucks. But it is what it is. Um, so moving forward, the NBA trade deadline. You want, let's get into that stuff now because I feel like since we talked – there's been a few more rumors that have hopped uh, that have come up. Um, we're getting closer to the deadline. Matisse's name is coming up. Um I saw Bones Highland in a tweet where someone kind of, you know, roughly speculated maybe he's someone the Sixers
0: could well, go after. I it. think he's getting moved, but there's basically no fit there in Philly. All right, so well, I'll shoot that just, one
1: down. Let me be selfish and start with this. I would love Bones Highland on the Sixers. He is my guy. Shoots threes, guard, looks cool. I saw him play last year in person and he absolutely lit the Sixers up. So I guess just let me down easy. But what makes you think that's not an option? I mean, why would why bother? What what are you gaining? Why bother? Let me look at his. I mean, he's a good shooter, he's a guard, he's a scorer. If
0: Tyrese Maxi is your sixth man, what is the point of Bones Highland? To
1: be another version of
0: Maxi coming off the bench. You don't you don't need multiple no. versions of a guy who can't I, defend that is being brought in to so, run the offense.
1: He's shooting 38% from three on almost six attempts a game.
0: He's a good player for a yeah. team that needs an instant offense guy. Even if Maxi was back in the starting lineup, Shake Milton has been a good six man for this team and a good bench guard for this team. And he has far fewer defensive issues, even though he's not a good defender, than right. Bones Highland does. Like the whole problem for Bones and Denver is that they don't, it, it's a conflict between. They need to develop him and play him more, but playing him more means their defense gets worse. And so it's this push-pull effect there. And that's why they're even looking to trade him in the first place because I think he believes he deserves a bigger role. There's a bit of a – I don't want to say a fight going on there between him and the organization, but there's, right certainly happy, some, yeah. there's some <laughs> friction going on there. So to bring him into a situation where it's like, hey, you're, not gonna, you're certainly not going to start – and right. we already have a couple of clear cut six men, seventh men type guards coming off the bench. i like where do you fit him into the you're gonna play a three guard lineup with uh Maxie, yeah, Shake and Milton, Highland. and Bones Highland? No yeah. way. So there's just no uh, look, if they had a different team and they were um they're making some bigger trades, like moving Maxi somewhere in a OG Ananobi trade or something right. crazy like that, then yeah, I mean I could see kicking the tires on somebody like Bones or a, a player of that ilk. But the way the team is constructed right now, there's just no real reason to get involved. So my counter to that would be, and this is a bit looking in the future, and
1: we've kind of stopped talking about that because they're better now. And they're I think they have like the fourth most wins in the NBA. They're a legitimate title contender, if not the best team in the East. My argument for Bones would be, although Shake is probably in some ways a better player right now, to your, to your point, like he, he fits in well, Bones, I think, does have potential where if him and Maxie can improve on defense, like that's a nice two guard, those are two nice young guards to have. So if James does leave, or if you know the ultimate, you know, nuclear bomb goes off and Joel decides he wants to leave, I do think Bones is a nice young piece to pick up in that regard.
0: I think if you're relying on Bones Highland to lead you through a rebuild, you are fucked. So wow. that is uh and I like Bones. Again, I'm not trying to to dump on bones or anything but i just i think he is really small and he's more of a the problem with him is sort of the same problem with maxi on offense where he's Mm -hmm. a combo guard but he's not really a playmaker so you're not really replacing what you need with in a situation where james leaves you have maybe like three halves of a ball handler and those do not add up to one and a half ball handlers. They're just three halves. You're not you're not turning into a real point guard right. or a real lead guard of a team. So, well, again, clearly, I like him. I think for a team that needs bench offense, good help. But I don't think that's Philadelphia's problem right now. So
1: clearly, the two or three games I've seen Bones Highland played are not indicative of who he is as a player. <laughs> is the main main takeaway I'm, I'm having here. But the other name that's come up, uh, you know, loosely in trade rumors is Nazir Reed. Um, Back up, he's like what he's like a four or five type of guy, right? Like, what would yeah, what, what he's, he's
0: been he has started these games that uh Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert have both missed. Mm-hmm. When Gobert has been healthy because Cat is still out, he's been out for a while. Reed has been basically the first guy off the bench and then ends up closing some of these games. I think the problem with uh, he's been a hot name on the trade market in general, I think he's got real value. The problem for the Sixers is that I think he skews too much toward that Trez arch type where he's a offense-first right? type guy. He's undersized, and it's not the type of big man specifically they're looking for. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that if he's available for a good price not to get him because mm-hmm. he's straight up better than the two guys that they have. And if they can upgrade and not have it cost an arm and a leg, it's something you always consider. You always had the weird thing with the NBA, with I guess with big men specifically. They're toughest because they're locked into a spot. Whereas guards and wings, you can do some funky things with lineups and move guys around depending on skill sets. Big men, it's you only have one on the floor, and if you have two, it's a disaster, as we saw with Joel and Al Horford. Despite the fact that both those guys are pretty damn good, so yeah, I, I think if. If he's available for a pittance, maybe, but I just think he's been so good in Minnesota that they're going to keep a, a high line, and he probably goes to a team that has no, no big man depth at all, or just stays in Minnesota. Otherwise, now, you know, if they could play him instead of Trez, that'd be awesome because he's just straight up better than Trez is.
1: If they do get, uh, we'll use Nazia Reed
0: as as the example
1: here. But in general, if they if they pull off a trade for another backup center, do you think then? Uh, Harrell or Reed are gone? Like they won't carry all three on the roster, will they? Or do you think that you think they would, or you think if they were, I did, re- I,
0: when I reported all this stuff earlier in the week, I did say, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that if they were to get another center, that that means one or both of Reed and Harrell are gone. Hmm. They have had this open roster spot for most of the season, which I think people have probably forgotten. Yeah. I forgot it by that. now. So they're essentially not using it right now. So it doesn't really matter if they're using it on any position, right? It's just who's the best player they can use to put in that spot. Now, if you're asking me what the best use of resources is, I do think that they should be looking more toward you know two-way wings and forwards, but I think they're also harder to get. So if the best player that they can get to upgrade their roster is a big man, I don't think it necessarily means that Reed or Trez is gone, but I'm a little dubious that they're uh they're actually going to trade for a center. I think that might be might be more of a buyout priority. We'll see how the deadline shakes out. But I think it how it tends to happen is those are the guys that get let go because backup yeah. bigs after the deadline are like, what do you? That's an easy way to tank. You just laying down team the roster. By,
1: yeah, so we'll see. So couple questions for you. One, you mentioned just then you think your priority would be more three and D wing type of guys. Um, why Why would you prioritize that over backup center? I just,
0: I just think it's more important in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I know Trez is not good and hasn't been good. I know Paul Reed is inexperienced, but ultimately those guys are only playing 10 minutes in the playoffs. I know that'll be an important 10 minutes there are also matchups where they might not play at all. It might be PJ yeah. Tucker is the center for, you know, most if not all the minutes that Joel is sitting. So that's an important consideration. I just I don't think that you should use resources there if you have the choice. The other thing is, and look, Matisse Thybul has been the most rumored. Outgoing guy this week, right? There are a couple of different reports saying Sacramento's got an interest. Golden State, yes, Golden State potentially yep. has an interest, and we might as well get into him. And yeah, I was about
1: part. let me let me ask you that <clears throat> to get it started. Do you believe there's legitimate interest in in thibal around the league, or do you think this is the
0: Sixers trying to you know drum up the idea that people want him? I, I think it's both. Like I do think there are playoff teams that would take a chance on Thybul. He's on final year of his contract. He's at a low point in terms of trade market value I think yeah. compared to when he's fresh off of making all defense teams or whatever so it's worth kicking the tires and, and seeing hey if, if the Sixers are willing to deal this guy then we might as well try to get in there see what it's going to take I do think that the suitors that have been listed or reported illustrate the problem for Philadelphia because Golden State is not trading you anything back that's going to help you win this year. Mm -hmm. Sacramento also probably not trading anything back that's going to help you win this year. So you have to, your calculation in that trade is do we move Matisse for a down the road piece that might be better, an upside piece? So in Golden State, the Golden State example would be someone like uh, Moses Moody who was a really highly coveted three and D guy coming out of college two years ago, mm-hmm. but has only shot the ball. Okay. And defensively has been a bit of a mess. Despite he's got great tools. He's got like six eleven wingspan, decent athlete, all that stuff. But he's playing in the G league right now. Like has yeah. not been good enough to play for the warriors. So if you trade for a guy like that for thigh ball, that's the money makes it. So you can do something like that. Basically straight up. You make that trade as the Sixers you're essentially conceding that Dybul was not going to play in the playoffs at all because you can't play Moody in the playoffs, basically. There's just no real reason to throw a 20-year-old kid in there who is not good enough to play for a team that just won the title. So that's the sort of deal that's on the table for Matisse. And at that point, even though I'm a gigantic Matisse skeptic, I've said that on the pod and I've written it for months and months and months, you'd you'd be better off just keeping him. Well, so that was my question for you when we we're talking about Matisse.
1: Do has your opinion on Matisse changed? Because when we talked, when we did like the report cards at the midway of the season, I remember I was a little higher on Matisse than uh than you were, which, you know, probably was wrong by me. But curious, what what is your like what is your opinion of Matisse's ability to play in the playoffs?
0: I don't believe in him as a playoff guy, but I believe in him more than Moses Moody, or in the Sacramento the Kings example. Him? Do you think the Sixers believe in him? Not really, and that's one of the main reasons that he's out there. I mean, yeah. I, I think they respect the work that he's put in in terms of you know working on ball handling and jump shooting and all that, but most of that has not really shown up on the floor. And I think there's an overarching belief that even if he were to finish the season on a long, hot streak from three – I, I don't think they trust him in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to go out there, and they would expect he's going to miss these shots. He's going to get tight. It's and look, that's that happens to a lot of role players. That's not unique to him. Yeah, I, I do think that that's a a reality they're preparing for. So, but I would still, I still think that you know the guys who you could trade one for one in Sacramento, for example, are like Alex Len. Who's just a like a stiff backup center? Like he's a <laughs> yeah. he's a he's a big body. It's like you stick him in front of the rim, he's big and will rebound or whatever. But it's right. not very good. He's just going to be like a, a, space a space eater. He's a space eater. It's it's all he is. So I'm not trading Matisse for a guy like that. I would yeah. rather, even though I, I have my doubts about him, I'd rather have if I'm the Sixers that creation of chaos off of the bench like maybe he can't shoot and maybe he gets sent back to the bench but also maybe he comes into a game and gets three steals and a block yeah and you go up. on a big run but that's possible too somebody like alex len or Terrence davis or moses moody those guys are not doing that for your team and so the team that's trying to win a title the serves better than guys like that and honestly the the more you think about it because we're so low on Matisse and because he's not playing a ton of minutes, I don't really think there's any risk that he's going to go into free agency this summer and get any sort of real payday. I agree. like if if he gets paid, I think the ceiling for him is probably, let's say like 10 million a year, which is crazy. If if he's on a 10 million a year contract, that's a really tradable deal. Yeah. That's a And, so right now we're talking about how difficult it is to trade him partially because he's not making enough money to match anybody. And that's the case for a lot of to, a lot of the younger players on the roster. Now, mm-hmm. if you have a Matisse on a $10 million a year deal, it gets easier to make these matching salary trades without having to give up your star players. And then all of a sudden you go from, oh, well we can only get these like end of bench rotation players to we combine a couple of these guys and we might get a $20 million a year play yeah. in a trade. And so that to me becomes a lot more appealing than a lot of the stuff that's available now. Now, maybe somebody in the off season says we're paying them a ridiculous amount of money and you know, you yeah. end up losing them for nothing. But I, I would rather take that chance. I think at this
1: now, point, let me ask you this. If you don't feel comfortable in him playing in the playoffs and he's probably not going to play a ton of minutes. I do agree with you that he just has the, the body type and the game where he could come in, deflect a few passes. Who knows? He gives you four minutes to help, help spark you. But is there any thought or consideration to – so let's use Moody a, a, as an example, right? Now, I would assume he's under contract beyond this year if he's only – He's got he a couple
0: about? more years and he's yeah. also on a cheap deal.
1: Right. Now, would there be any thought on your, from your end of trading Thibel for somebody – that is not going to play for you in the playoffs, but is basically just taking another shot at another Thibel and maybe next year he's, you know, you develop him, you have him around, but you, but he's cost controlled and you have him. like if you're not going to play Thibel in the playoffs anyway, or at least very limited minutes, would it be appealing to you to then trade him for essentially a prospect to, to have a, a player like him under control longer than you have Thibel?
0: I I understand the rationale. I just think that this is too good of a team at this point to be doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that they could be. Now, you don't say they shouldn't make any long-term thinking moves, right? That that would be silly. But I do think they have very few moves to actually make at this deadline unless they were to say, listen, we're going to push chips in and, and really go for it and move. Tobias and Maxi and a big Raptors trade and get Ananobi and maybe another guy. And if they're doing that, that's different. But if the only upgrade or side grade they're making is through, you know, trading Matisse and Furcon or Furkan and Jaden Springer or whatever it is, then right. I would rather just have Thiebel, who despite his limitations, I know who he is, I know what he is. And if you're Daryl and you see how Doc uses him, I think there's a level of trust in that you know Doc will pull the plug if Matisse doesn't have it going, right? Like he doesn't mm-hmm. have a long leash for Matisse in the way that he does for some of the more problematic guys like a Trez, where Doc just mostly lets him play through his BS stretches. So yeah. I think that also probably gives you a little bit more confidence that it's better to just have the break glass in case of emergency guy and Thibault than – the long-term prospect. Like I don't think they are thinking of it as a uh, we might get a rotation player down the line if we trade Matisse. It's right. we need as many guys who can play and stay on the floor in the playoffs right now because we have the potentially the MVP of the league, a guy another guy who should have been an all-star, an ascending guy Maxi. Like they have the ingredients to go win a title. And yeah, so they're really I, good. I think that yeah. is priority number one, two, three, four, five.
1: Yeah, and that's that's how it should be. I agree with that. Um, So my, la- my last question for you from a trade perspective, unless you have anything else, is, so we talked a few days ago. Um, Just curious what, if you've heard anything else you mentioned at the top, your life is crazy right now with calls and stuff. Just curious, we talked about a few rumors that are out there, but anything else you're hearing, anything else you want to talk about that you think Sixers fans should know leading up into
0: these last few days? No, I mean... The thing I always try to caution fans about is that big things can happen very quickly. I Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody the other day and they given me a rundown of what they think the Sixers are up to. And there was another comment that was slid in there. That was essentially, you never know when an owner is just going to come into a meeting and say, fuck this in one way or another. It could be, we have a chance to win a title. Let's go get somebody. Or it could be, you know, an owner says we're 20 and 32. Yeah. Blow this team up. These guys are a bunch of losers. I'm paying, <laughs> you know, however many millions of dollars right. to put this team together and they're doing nothing like to figure it out, get rid of this guy. Or I just don't like this guy. I don't want him on my, team. whatever it is. You never know. And that's, that's what, the fun of a deadline is right it puts this artificial pressure almost on an entire mm-hmm. organization to say all right this is what we value this is a we have to do something by now or this is who we have the rest of the year and so that's always an interesting thing like sometimes these trades come together really quickly it's why teams are having conversations dating back to, you know, November, late November, early December, when right. you really can't make any interesting trades yet because of free agent right. signings. So I don't think, I think the Sixers will make a trade at some point. I don't think it's going to be a big trade, but I also wouldn't say that, you know, it's impossible for a big trade to happen. A well, big trade would pretty much have to include Toby. Do we agree with that? It, and. If they trade Tobias, I would say there's a decent chance that Maxi goes Maxie to it. Maxie. because because Maxi's the real value. It's Maxi on still on the rookie deal, and Tobias is essentially the salary guy. Now yeah. I think he's he's been good this year. He's been very good. And this his contract's year, expiring right? soon, which is yeah, value. so that yeah. that changes the calculus a little bit. But I do still think you have to make up. The, if you're trying to get real chips, you're gonna you would have to move Maxi now.
1: I was going to say, so we're just complete shot in the dark here. Like what even big player would there be? So, you know, and I agree with you. I think it's probably going to be a minor move. I don't think we'll see a big name be traded, but as people love to tweet, the league does get drunk every once in a while. Crazy things do happen. Like what, what even name do you think would be the surprise? Oh my God, they traded him name.
0: Well, so I guess Ananobi is not really a surprise one at this point. He's like the most rumored guy out there. One that's popped up, over the last week is your boy, Zach Levine. That, mm. well, there's been some speculation out there that maybe they're not thrilled or, or looking at the contract over the long term and saying, you know, we're not really getting the return on investment. We thought we'd yeah. get there. Maybe some concerns about his health coming off of, uh, you know, off season surgery, things like that. And, Certainly has a history where he's tor- torn his ACL, I believe, multiple times dating back yeah, to not ideal his amateur days. So all that stuff isn't great. So I mean, I it it would still be a little shocking, but I don't think it'd be completely out of the blue at this point because it has bubbled up enough that there are some people talking about him as a maybe Chicago just decides, but I don't I don't think that's the Bulls' mo in general. I think if we're talking mm-hmm. about ownership. The Bulls owners are pretty notorious. Like, yeah, they're they're kind of okay, just hanging in that middle ground of the NBA and being like an okay playoff team, and yeah, sticking around in the standings until they get like a sixth seed, and that's just fine with them.
1: So I know we did a pod on this and I guess I would probably still do it, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little more out on Levine than I was previously, which is oh, good. Oh, you're
0: coming around. Oh, no,
1: mind. no, no. It's not even about Levine. I would, I still love him as a player. I, they are playing better than I thought that they could play this year. And to, to that degree, I'd be a little more nervous to, to break. Cause that is breaking it up to an extent. I know you're not moving Joel or James, obviously, but Tobias Max, you're crucial players on this team. They're crucial from their roles. They're crucial. Just how good they are. I think, from, you've talked about it, big personality guys, like leadership type things. I would be a little nervous to do the Zach Levine thing at this point.
0: So I want to throw—I forget whose podcast it was on this week. Um, Rich Hoffman brought it up to me when we were at the game the other night. Somebody proposed mm-hmm. a fake trade of OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. for Tobias and Maxi, no picks, Ooh. just straight up. But that I so kind of like. The rationale for that is essentially. You get the like true wing guy in Tobias's place in OG. PJ is now he's, he's you're locked in on PJ at the four, so there right. are pitfalls with that. But at least like Tobias, the part of the problem there is that he is best as kind of a true power forward, and he can't mm-hmm. do that with PJ here. So you get OG. He's your he's your guy against the Tatum's, you know the the Jalen Browns, the even Giannis's, although he's probably a little. Undersized and that sort of yeah. the Kevin Durant, guys like that. Gary Trent Jr. then gives you like an awesome punch off the bench, or you could potentially, if you wanted to go all offense, certain games you start him next to Harden. He gives you some shooting. Melton then slides in that you keep Melton, who's still on that cheap long term or two year right. deal at this point. And he's like your six man type alongside Shake, who those two have had good chemistry. And that's who you go to war with. I thought it was interesting. I think interesting. the reason I wouldn't do it is that I think you are really screwed if James leaves. And if James leaves and you still have Maxie, you at least have some semblance of, you know, creative playmaking yeah. talent. But yeah. I kind of think you're screwed if James leaves regardless, so I understand why you would consider it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Toronto if they're making a trade is trading for like three first round picks or something.
1: Yeah. So I do get your point about James. I don't know, man. I'm a little like, I, I like Maxi. I don't know if Maxi being here gives me confidence in the future. I think you're still to your point, screwed either way. You still need to find another guy. You still need to find a better player than Maxi. And to your point also, I mean, they should try to win this year. Now educate me a little on Carrie, Trent jr. Cause I, I think of him a little bit as just, a catch and shoot three guy. I don't think of him as doing much like driving to the basket and the stuff that Maxie does. Is that accurate or will he give you what Maxie did off the bench? They seem like different players to me as
0: well. No, I mean he's more of a classic shooting guard type. Yeah. he's gonna he's gonna catch and shoot, spot up, do all that, move like hit some movement threes. He'll mm-hmm. beat you on closeouts. So he's like he's a okay. decent ball handler, but not somebody who you're gonna actually ask to run the offense. I mean, he's scoring almost 19 points a game. He's shooting 37.2% from three, but on really high volume. He's taken what like number? 7.2 threes a game okay. in about 33 minutes. And he's been a high volume guy for years now. Like he got to Toronto second half of 2021. And he first, first stretch he played for them, he's taken 7.3 threes. A wow. Game. So he's yeah. a high volume shooter. I think that's something they could always use. The, the problem, I think, is more on the – well, there's a problem with I, – I think Maxi is better than Gary Trent. But I, I do think OG hungry, has yeah. gotten – I think OG has gotten overrated in the sense that he's an amazing defender. But because he's an amazing defender, I think people – give him more credit than he deserves on offense. Mm -hmm. Like he's basically just slightly above average as a shooter. And I do think he's a guy in a playoff series that James and Joel in the middle of the floor, they're just going to say, we'll leave OG open and and clog things up. And if he beats us, then, you know, go right ahead. We'll let you make eight threes or whatever, but people Sixers did that to Toronto for a lot of the playoff series last year. And they had plenty of success with that. So You know, I think that's a a thing to take into consideration. The other thing is OG seems unhappy with his role. So he's not going to get a bigger role in Philadelphia. So I I don't know that you're you're making that any better for him.
1: So I do kind of like the trade in a way. I feel like the combination of those two is probably better than the combination of Toby and Maxie. But to your point, OG is unhappy in Toronto. I actually, in some ways, have higher ceiling hopes for og moving forward than i would maxi just because of his his body size compared to maxi I, I feel like he's bigger and he's a way better
0: defender to your point um, you don't feel like he's, he's yeah he is way bigger right? he's like yeah, a prototype thought. wing guy yeah yeah
1: sometimes i got to protect myself from sounding dumb and saying
0: hey, no no sorry. no i mean he is you could make a clear argument that he is the best wing defender in the nba right, now. right. he's six seven a great athlete and i don't know what his let me see if I can find his wingspan. Well, do you agree he right? has a higher upside? He has than Maxie. a seven seven foot two wingspan. It's pretty so, good. Do Do yeah. you agree he has a higher upside than Maxi? I do, but I don't know that it's. It basically you're just saying he's got better tools because I think Maxi the scoring upside is far above where OG is. Hmm. Really, you're just saying. That OG is a better two-way player, is what it comes down to, and yeah. I think that's the case. But I I do think people overstate how good his offense is because they're they're so enamored with his defense that it's like, oh, and this guy can score. It's like, yeah, a little bit, but he's not <laughs> he's not like the best offensive player in the world. Yeah, it's not somebody I want to run offense through. Put it that
1: again. Way. I remember last year in Toronto when they were playing the Raptors, just thinking Toronto doesn't have the guy. Like OG is not the guy. And he wouldn't have to be here, but if he's unhappy with his role in Toronto, I'd have some skepticism about that.
0: All right. So unfortunately one more one more thing before that's what I was gonna say. Yep. Because you're gonna leave, right? So yeah, Tobias is somebody that I think you would take for granted if you swapped him out for OG in the sense that OG is not someone with six seconds on the clock. Who's gonna go out and get a good shot and make it over somebody? Yeah. He's just Tobias will get you four to six points in a playoff game on possessions that they have no business scoring on. And I think that's something yeah. that you know you certainly appreciate as a more oh, offense yeah. offense-centric guy. I think that's something that they would miss if they were to ever move Tobias for more of a defensively conscious guy. And again, I do really feel
1: this way. And I'm surprised I've gotten to this point. They it does seem like the team just works. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying they're look, they're deep they have defensive issues, all those things. But man, just with you talked earlier about how James is making Joel better and maybe he does not give a lot of credit for that. I just feel like all the pieces are finally fitting. And there's been so many years of, well, Ben doesn't really fit, or Jimmy's here and they weren't able to do it, and Tobias isn't doing what he needs. And it feels like everything really fits now, so I'd be a little cautious of, well, I think that, again, OG and uh, Gary Trent Jr. are probably combined better than uh, Toby and Maxi. It does just feel like it fits. So I would be worried to, to blow it up when they're playing so well.
0: Yeah, and I don't. I think yeah. that's probably a good place to end it, right?
1: Yeah, well, I was gonna say, so I hate to end it so abruptly, but I do have to go to the Eagles because of uh, they're in the Super Bowl, and I got to make sure I'm there. But the la- yeah, exactly. The last thing I guess I will say is, you know, they played the Spurs tonight. Whatever, not a great matchup, but uh, anything. Just you know, any final thoughts you want to say moving forward before uh, I get out of here, and uh, next time I talk to him in Arizona.
0: No, I mean we'll uh we'll we'll do our best with your schedule. With, I know uh, putting out these pods next week, so I. Bear with us as Elliot covers a Super Bowl and also does a podcast about the Sixers. I know. it's.
1: I'm not going to lie. It's been tougher than I thought. I'm happy uh, you're so good at talking Sixers because well, I think the timing too. I mean, the the Sixers games right now when you're playing the Magic twice in the Spurs. I mean, I've forced myself to watch them, but they're not exactly You better watch team. that
0: Celtics game next week. That's a big I, one.
1: I know. I will watch that one and I, I think they have the Nets the night before the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. So that'll be a, a fun Philly sports weekend. But all right. Thank you to everybody that has listened. Thank you to everybody that Uh, has listened to the pod our last episode was our most listened to episode so the pod is growing uh one episode at a time and appreciate everyone that's been taking this ride with us um you know once again download the odyssey app sports radio 94wip and trade deadlines coming up so we'll have a few before then and uh next time i talk to you i'll be in arizona but uh kyle i'll talk to you next time buddy enjoy the warm weather in arizona buddy i will talk to you later.